Alan Martinson from Starship Technologies. First, some supporters to thank, and thank you for listening. This episode is supported by the AIIA Network. The AI and Intelligent Automation Network is an online community focused on building the intelligent enterprise. Content covers a broad range of issues, including digital disruption and transformation, task and robotic process automation, augmented intelligence, machine learning, and cognitive computing. Our goal is to help businesses apply these technologies and build the intelligent enterprise of the future. Go to AIIA.net to join. This episode is all supported by RPA and AI Week 2017. The world decision makers and doers in process excellence and shared services meet in London this November to collaborate on the direction of task automation and augmented intelligence, share best practice, and discover strategies, tactics, and initiatives which industry leaders are already implementing for business success. 2017 is our second year of bringing this growing and exciting industry together. Go to rpaandaisummit.com for more. Alan Martinson joins us and discusses customer-driven robotics. Originally submitted into a NASA contest, a former Skype co-founder and a team of Estonian engineers built the original technology. After some initial trepidation, Alan, a venture capitalist at the time, came on to advise the project as he bought into the Moonshot business plan based on the technologically advanced team. Alan describes autonomous delivery as a solution to the biggest waste of time in human history. He describes the product as a mobile phone on wheels. Now in 60 cities and 15 countries, Starship is delivering goods to customers all over the world. After 4 million human encounters, the team is realizing that customers intuitively understand how to interact with the robot. Welcome to the AI and Intelligent Automation Network on B2B IQ. I'm your host, Seth Adler. Download episodes on AIIA.net or through our app in iTunes within the iTunes podcast app in Google Play or wherever you currently get your podcasts. Alan Martinson. So Starship Technologies, what are the chances that you're a, a Jefferson Airplane fan? <laughs> and that's why we have Starship. Yeah, so when we when we started to check out which other companies carry his name and in our in delivery space, we found out that there is a Starship limo service in Las Vegas uh-huh. by a former member of Jefferson Starship. Oh, it was? So, but, yeah, but it's, it, was, it was the only connection. So sorry, I like the, the music, but... But I'm that's not, not why. Yeah. Now, what you know, we're going to talk about uh, robotics, but what was it about uh, you know that name that identified what you guys were doing? I, I think that there's a lot in a name. So sure. First of all, this name has been generated by a software, mm-hmm. and we were looking for a name for the company, and, uh, and we kind of failed to do it in a proper way. So our co-founder and CTO and CEO wrote a piece of software which went through different combinations <laughs> of shipping and, and like other cool things and it came out in the, from from that out of like two or three thousand candidates. Yeah. So uh, what we do is very closely related to stars and, and to shipping and uh, stars because and we are a company which is one of the most futuristic ones in, mm-hmm. in delivery space. Mm-hmm. We build self-driving autonomous robots mm-hmm. uh, to carry stuff around. Uh, it got its start from a contest in, uh, by NASA. So uh, the team was building initially landers and uh, space probes to land on other planets and collect rock samples. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit similar task to bringing packages on, on Earth and uh, as it appears. And finally, yes, of course, we are shipping. So star, uh, star and ship together in a starship, it has a great great name for this mm-hmm. company. So, I mean, I obviously can make out that you're not from Kansas. 
right? No, I'm not. <laughs> You're from Estonia, as I'm we've discussed. I'm from Estonia, right? yeah, so that explains my, my strange accent. Exactly. Well, we're the ones with the strange accent. Actually, everyone has a strange accent, if you think about it, no, right? thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, how did you learn about this NASA thing that you initially you know, were involved in if you were in Estonia? Yeah, so first of all, I was not in a part of, of, of that team. Uh -huh. So uh, the team was uh, set up as a hobby project and, uh, by our uh, CEO. And, but uh, he's Estonian as well. He's Estonian as yeah. well. So he was one of the Skype co-founders. Mm -hmm. And he was just between uh, startups. Uh, so he had a few ones after Skype. And then he got a, a child and decided that he couldn't want to do a startup when, when having a baby mm -hmm. uh, at home. And decided to pick up a hobby project okay. and uh, to launch a team of... Uh, approximately 10 engineers to participate in that particular contest in the United States and held in Massachusetts in, uh, once in a year in June. So, and it was like 13 or 15 teams in, uh, around the world participating in, in two years. So, they uh, never won. Mm -hmm. So this team never won. It was put together by Estonian engineers. So, but it became a kind of the backbone of, of this company now. So for almost all of those engineers joined the company in the first few weeks of 2014 mm -hmm. when the company was launched. So it's it's pretty recent. How do you know him from uh, from when? Yeah, it's a, first of all a small country and a million plus people. Everybody knows everybody. And uh, I was running a venture capital firm at that time. Mm -hmm. And we had some joint investments uh, as in angels, uh, three actually. And uh, I was just advising this project initially. So uh, my connection to the project was an, from an email I received uh, from uh, from this guy. His name is Arti Heinle. It's difficult to pronounce for an American. It is. So, uh, but it was in July 14 and saying, hey, uh, we were brainstorming with another Skype co-founder in London mm -hmm. and came to an idea to launch uh, delivery robots as a, uh, as a company. So, and. My first reaction is total bullshit, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, it, it will not work, and there is no people to do that. In, in you sound like a VC when you say that, of right? Of course. Like, uh, the job <laughs> of a VC is to say no 99% of days. Okay. And I said no. Uh, and But nevertheless, I started to advise this company, and uh, it, it kind of sucked me in. Mm. In three months, I became convinced that, A, it's an enormous potential. It's the best and most ambitious um, one-shot business plan I've seen in my VC career. And yep. I was VC for 10 years, and I saw, I don't know, maybe 6,000 to 10,000 company, uh, companies at that time. So it was absolutely the best. And secondly, I became convinced that this team can really pull it off. Mm -hmm. So it was technologically one of the most advanced teams I've seen. And you, and as a VC, you know it's all about the team. Of course. So you fell in love with the team, really. Absolutely. And And then this moonshot technology, what had you convinced that this is actually worth shooting for the moon. Sure. First of all, it's a really big industry, which is totally not disrupted by technology. Mm -hmm. So we speak about 120 billion, 120 billion annual delivery transactions each year in Europe and the United States alone. Mm -hmm. So uh, this includes uh, personal shopping trips, mm -hmm. which is like 80% of that. But um, around 25 billion packages sent, uh, same day deliveries, food deliveries, everything added together is like 120 billion in only like Europe and United States. So you add Asia to that, it's like three times bigger. 
uh, that's a huge market, and huge. we still and we still do the local delivery as we did like a hundred years ago. So we we just with the, without the horses, with the cars, with the trucks, yeah. but it's we, the we, same we thing. We walk, we we yeah. take a car, and so but it's always a human involved, and, right. and we lose lots of time. It's probably the biggest waste of uh, human time in history. Mm. We spend around one hour per day per family in traffic jams and going and you know, shopping. Mm-hmm. So we would like to give this one hour back to the families with our company. That's probably the most noble task any startup has. I, if you're going to give me back time, I'm in, right? Of course. Yeah. And uh, it's a huge industry, first, in the checkbox. Uh, and secondly, uh, I saw the team and I understood that it's doable. It's not something which is like five years away. Mm-hmm. So today, there is not a single reason anymore why the delivery couldn't be done autonomously. Mm-hmm. So it was not this way like five years ago. So sure. at that time, the technology was still missing. Mm-hmm. Today, we have all of the components. It's more about like really evolutionary uh, steps and revolutionary steps. And it's doable. And the team uh, had all the necessary competences and had a very great vision how to do that technologically. And I got to believe. Mm-hmm. That you said they're Estonian, the team. It's it's based in Estonia, but it's actually multinational. We have Australians, we have Ukrainians, Russians. Uh, What's the background, though? You, you, if everyone's from all over the world, you know what? What had you convinced about the team? The first, it's approximately half of the team is coming from Skype, okay, kind of ex Skype gang, so to say. And you may ask, what is common between building a robot and and building uh, communication software? And actually, it's quite a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. If you think about Skype, so Skype is b- basically a communication application and video, uh, in- including video, which shall run in very limited computing power of a mobile phone. Mm-hmm. In delivery robotics, uh, our robot is basically a mobile phone on the wheels. So it uses cameras, it uses like different sensors, but it has a very low, low power bill and very low energy bill. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have a goal to bring the cost of delivery radically down to below one dollar so which means that we need to build the device which is very very cheap and uh, which means that basically you employ the same approaches so uh, you you have video processing and uh, unlimited processing power mm-hmm. which is basically what skype did so lots of the approaches lots of some like um, engineering philosophy you know, what we have in a company is coming from skype mm. all right so it's, it's only a couple of years old you said the technology was there and ready to go uh, what was it about the technology that was ready to go in 2014 that wouldn't have been there in 2010? Uh, yeah, so it's uh, lots of components in the processing power uh, and the cost of processing power. Uh, computer vision, uh, like advances in computer vision, uh, lots of new technologies are available, lo- lots of uh, new software is available, it's even public domain, so everybody can use that. Mm. Uh, lots of of course, mobile connectivity uh, is much cheaper and uh, available, so you, you can now have very reliable data communication everywhere. So lots of kind of similar things, uh, mm-hmm. localization technologies, uh, deep learning, and, and so forth. So lots of those components are now in place. And putting them together, you get something which works. Mm-hmm. So we built a first functional prototype in less than one year mm-hmm. and started testing uh, in... September 2015. In what country? Uh, initially from the same Estonia, like mm-hmm. driving around the office. Uh, mm-hmm. with one very ugly robot. <laughs> so today we have been driving in 60 cities in 15 or 16 countries. Mm. So we just recently completed like 20,000 miles of, uh, of testing in public sidewalks. Just give us an idea of the country so we can envision that, right? right? Like most of Europe and uh, lots of 
many parts in the United States. Mm-hmm. I think b- we've been to 10 or 15 states in, uh, in the United States. So it, it has given us lots of insights how, how the environment looks and how people, if they're different or not, and, and so forth. So, uh, but anyway, in, uh, in two and a half years, this company has built not only a prototype, but it's also running a functional service now. Mm-hmm. And this was not possible five years ago. Right. So Silicon Valley and D.C., we spoke before. You, you mentioned that uh, you were in those two markets in the U.S. Uh, take us through learnings from Silicon Valley versus D.C., because I would imagine they're vastly different, <laughs> right? Even just in the U.S. <laughs> okay. So we are still uh, very fresh in, in both of those areas. Now we just started like in a month from the month and a half ago. Oh, okay. So My it's goodness. like a statistically not yet relevant. Maybe mm-hmm. one interesting uh, thing is that the people in Silicon Valley don't have lunch breaks. In, uh, in DC, they do. Yes. So uh, that's kind of interesting. And, uh, the sidewalks get filled. It's more about like uh, when people deliver something. Oh, okay. uh, if they deliver uh, food and uh, during lunchtime or not. So it's uh, maybe statistical error but still uh, it seems to be an interesting observation mm-hmm. otherwise uh, people anywhere we go mm-hmm. uh, we have been now running in london in several cities in germany in, in switzerland so uh, people tend to be quite the same and uh, what is maybe the most interesting observation out of our almost four million human encounters so far is that people really don't care so they don't notice this robot they don't really. Yeah. So they just walk past and buy, and like it's eighty to ninety percent of people don't pay any attention. And the busier the city, the more or the less they notice it. Right. So uh, we have a pretty iconic video from uh, from London where we were driving around Waterloo Station, which is one of the biggest, busiest stations Absolutely. in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, three thousand people passed by the robot, not a single one stopping or taking a f- the single glance. So. See, also the first time, because yeah. the first time we were driving in that area, 3,000 people, not a single person not stopping. One. Yeah, we got even insulted a little bit. Like uh, <laughs> we built a nice robot and we expected <laughs> people to stop and make photos and so on. This isn't the ugly one from the office. This one's nice, right? <laughs> and and just to give folks that you can obviously go to the, the website, um, but, you know, it's kind of at my knees. But there is a, a flag that goes up with lights. There's lights all around it. So it's not like it's... Uh, you know, hiding. No, it's not. And uh, and it has a flag uh, for just visibility. Mm-hmm. So we need to be seen on over the hoods of the cars and like and, and to make people not to dip over and, and so forth. So, yeah, it's visible. It's very friendly looking robot. So most people, when they see it, they, if they notice it at all, of course, mm-hmm. they smile. Mm-hmm. So they try all kind of things. Uh, one person tried to feed it a banana. So the... <laughs> <laughs> people like, like to uh, play with that. So lots of funny things happening, uh, but very, very rarely we see uh, mm. people being angry. So, and it just getting back to your learnings, the first one, the biggest one being people don't care. They leave it alone. So you're now free to go, I would imagine, right, is is the, the lesson learned from that. What, what else did you pick up from in consumer interaction? Most people who have got the delivery by a robot and um, they have been getting it in, again in different countries. So we have been running our pilots in five countries now. Uh, we have been delivering packages, we have been delivering food and uh, groceries. So they intuitively understand it. So mm-hmm. there is no question of some like asking, so how shall I open it and, and so forth. They get the text message with instructions mm-hmm. and uh, they can monitor the progress of a robot. 
uh, very often in our pilots they are not notified in advance that it will be a robot instead of like a human uh, bringing you your takeaway food for example they're not notified uh, it depends on a pilot in some cases we notify mm -hmm. uh, like uh, say say know it when they are ordering but in most cases they learn about it when delivery is initiated and mm. they get the first text message right. saying that, hey, it's a robot which will be bringing it with a link to a website where they can monitor it in real time, mm -hmm. which is kind of a cool experience because you can see how the robot drives to you. And once it has arrived, uh, you get another notification with a link uh, which helps you to open mm -hmm. the lead. So mm -hmm. only you can open it, so no, nobody else. I've got the code or whatever it exactly. is. Exactly. So there is, of course, a difference uh, between uh, robotic delivery and uh, usual delivery because we don't en enter buildings. We are not climbing stairs. We are not knocking on doors. Uh, we are not riding elevators. So the person mu must come out to meet the robot. Mm -hmm. And it has been okay. So uh, we haven't seen almost never any negative reaction to that. That's uh, fascinating. That's fascinating. Uh, Very encouraging. Absolutely. Uh, what about the partners, though? So, who are you working with? You know, who is in charge of the robot, so to speak? And um, what have the lessons been uh, that you've learned from them? So, first of all, we are running a delivery service. So you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, we offer this capacity as kind of subcontracted drivers and do mm -hmm. uh, our partners. So, mm -hmm. say pay per delivery, per mile, per hour, whatever. And so that it, it makes it very easy for them. So uh, they don't need to buy and learn how to run the robots and how to do the maintenance and uh, and whatnot. Which I'm sure your engineers are very appreciative of, right? Yeah, of <laughs> course. <laughs> they don't have to interact. It's just very efficient this way. So it's Indeed. better for us, it's better for everybody. And uh, so our partners and they are in different sectors. So we're usually working with three main verticals, which is package delivery, mm -hmm. uh, which is online groceries, mm -hmm. and finally takeaway food. So uh, and we have some partners we haven't announced yet, but um, here in the United States we work with DoorDash and Postmates. Mm -hmm. In Europe we work with Just Eat, which is in, uh, the biggest European food delivery company. We work with Swiss Post, and we work with uh, Hermes, mm -hmm. which is second largest German uh, delivery firm, mm -hmm. and uh, a few others. And what are they telling you? Thanks so much for taking care of the final mile, but what what's their takeaway? I mean, we're still doing pilots, mm -hmm. and uh, obviously it's a learning curve for both us and the partners, mm -hmm. and uh, they learn together with us. So we usually have very deep integration. We have on the steering committees, so we have weekly calls, so we learn together so there are lots of small details in what we are learning in, in process it's not so much only about delivery but it's also about like how to integrate that into business processes mm -hmm. so how do you get the feedback from from consumers and customers and so forth and it has been really interesting for everybody in, involved what about regulatory i mean y you got to get onto the sidewalk right I, I would imagine that's a piece we were quite afraid about regulatory initially when we started mm -hmm. and uh, we basically learned that it, it's usually a gray area, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe in some cases even we are banned from sidewalks. And when we started to work on that issue, uh, first of all, we looked on who could be the best example, who did the same, who had the same problem. And we discovered Segway. Uh. Segway around 15 years ago had the same 
issues, but the same footprint, a new device, uh, not described anywhere in the law. Right. And uh, there are obvious differences, of course. A Segway has a human uh, on top of it, which is da- more dangerous than a robot, obviously. <laughs> humans can as, be reckless. As we know now, right? Yeah. <laughs> humans are reckless, and uh, <laughs> robots are not. But, um, uh, yeah, it was a great example. And we, we talked to uh, Segway guys, and uh, we're great friends with uh, Dean Gaiman, the founder or inventor of Segway. Mm. And we learned how they did it. And a uh, large part of our public affairs and the campaign is based on, on Segway learnings. So it has been much easier than we thought. Yeah. Uh, first of all, people, uh, politicians and regulators, when you do your test drives without any regulations, so they tend to forgive you. So it has not been a single instance where we have been banned from, from sidewalks. Now, secondly, it's much easier than we thought to get the new regulations done. Mm. So by today, and actually today is... In the what day is Monday today? Yes. Well, in yes. podcast yeah. land, it's any it's day, a, anyway, right? Yeah. So it's any day. But then, but then it's Monday, and uh, just last Friday, uh, Virginia, the mm-hmm. state of Virginia, became the first um, place on earth, anywhere on earth, that uh, got a permanent law about what they called personal delivery, delivery devices. Oh, there you that's, go. Yeah, so that's the first law adopted. And uh, similar processes are going on in five or six other states in the United States and, and several European countries. Mm. And just to mark the calendar, we are talking in late February 2017, exactly. so folks exactly. kind of get yes, the... Yes, yeah, so the law stepped into force on the 24th of February. There we go. And um, even if it's a gray area, we still think that it's better to be regulated and, uh, and uh, it's better to have like a short, like three-pager law and, and adopt it mm-hmm. uh, or some, some of the regulations uh, because there are certain aspects for are better to be regulated. Sure. First of all, right away on road crossings. So in the drivers and robots must know who shall yield to whom. Right. Otherwise, you may get the collision, right? And uh, that's something we'd like to regulate. Obviously, we need to regulate uh, some other aspects and uh, having kind of emerging industry in mind, how the robots must behave, so uh, how big they could, could be. Mm-hmm. Because like in the size and mass of the robot and, uh, is basically directly correlated with uh, safety. So... Uh, Including s- several like really simple regulations, maybe liability and insurance and uh, issues which must be also covered, and uh, all of the politicians, all of the regulators have been really understanding. Mm. Uh, for example, a law in Virginia was passed uh, with no uh, votes against it. So uh, that's that's almost that's impossible to do these days here in the U.S., right? You know. Yeah. Yeah, but it seems that robots are uniting the society <laughs> and, and lawmakers on both, on both sides. Everybody's pro-robot right now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so maybe it's a good new topic to focus on in, instead of uh, all the other mess what we have. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed completely. All right, so so there you've got uh, the product, the customer, the, the partners, the regulations. Um, you, you mentioned the size. I, I wonder how you kind of came upon this particular size, which I think you said is, is three grocery bags, basically. Yeah, roughly speaking. So overall, any size is obviously a compromise between mm. uh, different factors going in. Uh, first of all, uh, it must fit on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. right? It, it can't be much wider than the sidewalk. Number one, or right. It must be narrower than the sidewalk. So it must not tip over, so it can't be very, very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, it must uh, be able to turn, which means that it must not be very long. At the same time, it must carry uh, most of the stuff which needs to be carried. And we came up with a size as a kind of compromise, so it was... Uh, we studied, we asked our potential partners, and uh, the cargo bay can f- take like two or three grocery bags and uh, 20 pounds of cargo, 
So it's kind of daily consumption of uh, average family when mm -hmm. it comes to groceries. And it's around 80 to 90 percent of packages and that needs to be carried. It's most of the takeaway food, except maybe the biggest American pizza. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can <laughs> carry most of the stuff. As as far as you can carry most of the stuff, so that's great. So you've obviously you've done the 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 math there. Um, as far as length and width, you you kind of explained that. What about the height of the uh, the flag that goes up? Oh, it's just uh, for vis visibility. And mm -hmm. again, we have been obviously doing testing and uh, what is the best size, what is the best height, and like uh, what kind of lights uh, mm -hmm. we need. So uh, again, it, uh, it includes lots of commercial secrets, so to say. But it's sure. amazing how differently can people and drivers uh, perceive different colors and different on sizes of the flag, for example. Mm. And what about speed? How how quickly can it go? How quickly does it go? At the moment, we have software limiting the speed at four miles per hour. And um, that's for several reasons. And in some countries, it's also written into regulations. For mm. example, in the European Union, six kilometers per hour, which is four miles per hour, mm -hmm. is kind of difference between several regulations. Uh, I will not go into details. Fine. In the United States, uh, for example, Virginia law allows us to drive 10 miles per hour. At one point, we probably will increase the speed. Uh, but at this point, we just uh, control it for safety reasons. Everything's for safety reasons, right? I mean, we obviously everybody is con conscious about safety. Mm. Uh, because otherwise, you won't be here, basically, right? <laughs> I must say that uh, this device is inherently safe. Mm -hmm. And uh, think about a suitcase. So mm -hmm. basically, it, it's not very different from a suitcase. And uh, if you think about suitcase, which is like moving on pedestrian speed, you really need to be really inventive in order to get killed mm -hmm. uh, with that one. Sure. So like, you don't think about a suitcase as the most dangerous object in your house, right? No, you don't. So uh, obviously, collision with a car or a bike could be the most dangerous, but even if something happens on the sidewalk, it's, it's not dangerous. So uh, we have been investing a lot into understanding the surroundings and understanding the environment. So it has all kind of detectors and it stops, it adjusts speed, it can go around a pedestrian or an obstacle. Mm. But even if all that fails, so you, you just think of a, a suitcase left on a sidewalk by somebody, it doesn't seem dangerous, isn't it? It's a good point. Yeah. What's your background? How did you get into VC to begin with? What are you? What's your background? Oh, it's a kind of mixed uh, bag of things. Uh, I'm a computer scientist by education, mm -hmm. but this computer science dates back more than 25 years. Sure. I, I will not earn a, a penny with that education <laughs> anymore. So uh, I've been launching several companies in my past. Uh, I've been always being a serial entrepreneur uh, and launching online media companies. Uh, put together a bit IT services company. Uh, been involved in microwave and radio electronics companies and mm. that was listed. And, um, and some 10 years before Starship, I was running a venture capital firm. Mm -hmm. What was the name of that? Oh, it doesn't matter. Matter. So it's like <laughs> an acronym, and a very bad name uh, looking back. So. And we live and we learn, right? You exactly. know? All right. So I'll ask you the three final questions. I'll tell you what they are and then I'll ask you them in order. What has most surprised you in work? What has most surprised you in life? And then on the soundtrack of Alan's life, one track, one song that's got to be on there. But first things first. <laughs> so what was the first one? The first one is what has most surprised you in work? 
you can engineer yourself out of any shit in in in, uh, in your life and, and like in any any problem. So our favorite movie is The Martian with Matt Damon. In, Just in came out right, sure. Exactly. So yeah. it, it was like a movie that we watched in uh, our in our company. So basically, I mean, this guy is alone on Mars and he gets back and it's very realistic. So putting together a robot in, uh, on Earth is much easier task. <laughs> so what if, is a nice if he can far- yeah, if he can farm on Mars, we can put together a robot exactly. on Earth, right? Exactly. What has most surprised you in life? You can always stay young and always learn. And, uh, I've been pivoting my life for like every three, five, seven years mm. and uh, doing something totally new. And it keeps me young. I've been feeling myself in, uh, 33 in the last 25 years, <laughs> even if I'm 50 now. Right. <laughs> so you can stay young. How would you tell others to stay young? Because you just explained that you do yourself. But w- what's the advice there? Just uh, don't be afraid to do and do and try new things. It keeps you always fresh. There you go. But people are, are afraid of this. People are scared. There's risk involved. What if I lose everything is what someone might ask you. you stand up and then you do drag yourself and off exactly, and go again. Exactly. <laughs> All right, soundtrack. On the soundtrack of your life, one track, one song that's got to be on there. This song was played on my wedding and uh, with my wife, who's also an entrepreneur uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Las Vegas. And, uh, it was sang by a fake Elvis and sure. it's a Sinatra song and, uh, and it has a special meaning especially today when Elon Musk has promised uh, to bring two guys around the moon Yeah, so it's called Fly Me to the Moon <laughs> Fly Me to the Moon and if you can't play it in your head right now you know just call it up on the computer because that's a good one Alan Martinson thank you so much and there you have Alan Martinson so, you know, autonomous delivery, 60 cities, 15 countries, this is happening. It's amazing. They've already got the uh, know-how to, you know, figure out the regulations and make sure that they are uh, speaking to the community. Uh, thanks for listening to us, and stay tuned. <laughs>